Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So have you ever walked into a room and then immediately forgot why it is you walked into that room? That ever happened to anybody? Or, or maybe you've been uh, driving down the freeway and all of a sudden you come to the realization you don't remember driving the last 10 miles. You know, and it, or, or you've been reading a book and you get to the bottom of the page and you have no idea what it is you just read. Or, or you're listening to somebody talk and, and you're listening and you're talking, he's talking and you're listening and all of a sudden you realize you have no idea what he's talking about. Like right now, maybe. Um, Okay, but if you've ever experienced that, that's called mindlessness. And, and it usually occurs when we're doing things that we are so familiar with that we just kind of are on autopilot. And we don't even think about it anymore. We just, we're just going through the motions. Um, and in this series that we're calling Our Prayers, we're looking at the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, his followers, us, to pray. One of the great dangers of that prayer is that we become so familiar with it that we don't even think about what it is we're saying. Um, and it becomes the very thing that Jesus warned us against about you know, vain repetition. And so for this whole series, what we've been doing each week, and we're going to do it again this morning, is a, kind of a revised version of the prayer, just to help us get out of the route and routine that we've already got in our brain and think about the Word. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand with me again this morning. And, and by the way, let me give, um, this, is, this comes from Dallas Willard's book, The, um, uh, the Divine Conspiracy, and, which I highly recommend. Um, but this, this prayer is kind of adapted from the prayer that he, he puts in there. So, um, and as we go into this, what I want you to realize is that your Heavenly Father is here. That our words aren't just going off into space. That we are talking to somebody and he is listening. So we pray. Dear Father, who is always near us, may your kingdom be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the things we need today to accomplish your will. Forgive us our sins as we are forgiving those who have offended us. Keep us clear of temptation, near you through life's trials, and safe from evil. Because you are the one in charge, and the glory is yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Let me go ahead and have a seat. So we have been looking at this prayer and taking it section by section. And and by the way, I do really want to encourage you to sign up for one of the half hours in this 48 hours prayer. I know Larry kind of pounded it a little bit, but... But what we're doing in this 48 hours of prayer is each of those stations, we're going through each of the things that we have been talking about each week. So it becomes interactive. It becomes much more personal and and help you reflect more on this prayer. And as we've been going, you probably noticed the first half of the prayer is all about God. That's where the focus is. It's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And, And that's good. That is perfect because if we don't start there, then our prayers become just a series of gimme, gimme, gimme's. And they become very self-centered, uh, very selfish types of prayers. And so when Jesus is teaching his followers, you and I, to pray and how to pray, he says it all starts with God. Okay. Realize that when you are praying, you are praying to a person. And we talked about this the last couple of weeks. That God is personal. That he is our heavenly father. 
And though he is holy and, and utterly separate than who we are, he is not a God that sits far off in a far distant heaven, but he is with us every day. And in this prayer, Jesus brings that intimate and personal relationship of a father with this holy, so utterly different than us God, and brings them together. And, and we said, this, this prayer is in essence a microcosm of Jesus' ministry. And he has given us this, this prayer to come before a heavenly father who is as close as the very ear, air that we breathe. But in this next section that we're going to take a look at this morning, it, it shifts. The pronouns shift. And, and the focus comes away from God, our father. And, and now it becomes about us. Now it's, now it's our needs. And we're going to start dealing with that part. But again, it's not selfish praying. And we're going to take a look at this next section. Um, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And what I want to ask you this morning to think about is, what are we praying when we pray those words? What is it that that Jesus wanted us to understand about our Heavenly Father as we pray? And, And maybe more importantly, what is it that our Heavenly Father wants us to understand about our relationship with Him? Because I think that's at the heart of this prayer. It sits right in the middle of of his um, Sermon on the Mount. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. What is it that God wants us to understand when we pray? There's a couple of things we're going to look at. The first one is this. Very simply, God wants us to learn to trust him each and every day. He teaches us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. Not tomorrow, not next year's. But give us today our daily bread. Now, I've got to be absolutely honest with you. I don't pray that prayer very often. Because it's very hard for me um, to conceive of this idea of daily bread when we live in a culture and a society where every middle schooler has their own iPhone. Which costs more than what many people in this world make in a whole year. I mean, we don't live from that day-to-day existence. That's not our reality And so it's really, really tough for us to to kind of think about, well, what does that mean to me? Because the culture that we live in is a culture of abundance. A 16-year-old girl stands in front of her closet that is filled. The rack is filled with dresses and tops and pants and shoes all over the floor. And they stand in front of that closet. And what do they say? There's nothing to wear. Or a 13-year-old comes to the refrigerator, opens it up, rummages through the refrigerator, doesn't find anything there, goes through the whole pantry, all the cabinets, and comes away and says, there's nothing to eat in this house. But the truth is, there's plenty. It's just not what I want right now. Or it's because my brother took the last soda that I was waving for myself. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for us to conceive of this concept of daily bread when we live with such abundance. Because the truth is, I would venture to guess every one of us in this room are not daily unsure of what we're going to eat. So how does this translate for us? What is it that Jesus wants us to get to understand? What is he trying to get across to us? Why does he want us to pray this prayer? And I think it has to do with this idea. He wants us to trust him each and every day. Because the problem with living in the culture and society that we live in, we're so self-sufficient, we don't think we need him every day. See, I've, I've got all kinds of food in my refrigerator. We, we, we had a, a baby shower for my daughter yesterday at our house. We have all kinds of leftovers in our refrigerator. We got more than enough for the week. I don't know how much potato salad I can stand. <laughs> but does, that's the world that we live in. 
And because I am so self-sufficient and you are so self-sufficient, we don't think about the fact that we need God every day of our lives. So as a personal challenge to you, let me give it to you this. Every day this coming week, I want you to pray, Lord, give me today what I need for today. Chances are you don't pray that prayer. I did it this week. I did that this week. I made it a point. Each day I said, okay, if I'm going to preach on this. So each and every day I pray, Lord, today, whatever it is that I need, I'm looking to you. Would you give me today what I need for the day? You know how hard that prayer was? It was, it was it's almost a little embarrassing. Because <laughs> I am self-sufficient. I have plenty stored up. My sister and brother-in-law, they have in their garage their own emergency pantry. Now, they're not crazy people, okay? But they are prepared for emergencies. They've got bottled water. They've got canned goods. They've got all this kind of stuff. Because the next earthquake that hits, like 89, I know where I'm going. You know, I don't care if the bridge is washed out or anything. I'm going to find a way because I know where there's food. In fact, that's where we spent the earthquake of 89. Because <laughs> they're prepared. They've got it sort of. Now, Jesus isn't saying it's, it's wrong to store. It's not, he's not saying it's, it's wrong to plan for more than past the next day. But what he is saying is be careful that that does not become your security. In fact, he elaborates on that a little bit further down in this very same, uh, very same passage. He talks about this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, be very careful about putting too much of your security in what you have saved up. Because even if you have it saved up and you've got more than enough, it's going to rot. Moths are going to get into it. It's going to rust and be useless in a couple of years. So be careful that that does not become the object of your trust and your security. Because it's misplaced trust. And no matter how well you might think you have it secured, thieves break in and steal. Even online, people can steal your identity now. A couple months ago, I got a call from my credit card company. They wanted to know why I was making a charge from Russia. And it took me a while to explain to them, I'm not in Russia. (laughs) This was not a valid charge. Somebody got a hold of my my card number and got all the information. I don't know where. Had to change my card. Because nothing is secure. Your identity is even up for grabs in some cases if you're not careful. And what Jesus is saying is it's okay to plan for the future. Don't, you know, it's, not, it's, it's not like you can't be prepared for emergencies, but be very, very, very careful that that does not become your security. And he wants us on a daily basis to realize that our true security and our true hope and our true trust is in God alone, because truthfully, he is the only one we can depend on. And so when we pray, give us today our daily bread, what we are saying is, Lord, I recognize that you are my sole provider. That were it not for you, I would have nothing. And that not only goes for our daily food sustenance, it also has to do with our spiritual need as well, because he goes on and he says, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive readers. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but that word and, that's actually in the original language that our Bible was written in. That's not just an 
of a filler word that just goes from what, what he is doing there is that word. And in fact, you might want to circle that on your notes and just remind yourself, because what he is saying is in the same way that I am asking for daily bread, I am also asking for daily forgiveness because as much as I need bread every day to be able to eat and survive physically, I need daily forgiveness, not on few rare occasions. I need it every day. And that word and is a conjunction. It is joining those two phrases. And it is saying, I need food every day. I need sustenance. I need provision every day. And I need forgiveness each and every day. And when I pray that, what I'm doing is I'm coming face to face with the honest truth about myself. And that's why he wants us to pray this. It's a very, very important word. N.T. Wright writes this. He says, unlike some religions in which every single action carries eternal and unbreakable consequences, at the heart of Judaism and Christianity lies the belief that though human actions matter very deeply, forgiveness is possible and can become actual. See, forgiveness is also a part of daily trusting. And sometimes people ask, but, but what, about, what, about those, what about those sins that I just keep doing? Those addictions, those compulsive behaviors. I, I try my best, but I keep failing at it. And I, keep, and I, just, I feel like I've done it so many times. How can I come to God and ask Him to forgive me? Because, because I, I know even, after, as, even as I'm asking forgiveness, I am probably going to do it again. How can I pray that prayer when, when I'm, I know this is an ongoing struggle for me? I've done it so many times. How can I keep praying it every day, coming to God and saying, God, would you please forgive me again? The writer of Lamentations wrote this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, His grace, His forgiveness, His loving kindness, His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning. Because every morning, I need cleansing. Every morning, I need forgiveness. Because every day I go through and I have bad attitudes, or I do things wrong, or impure thoughts, all this other stuff that just dirties me up and hampers my relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying is you can pray every time for forgiveness. And you can be assured he forgives because his mercies are new every morning. He wants us to rely on him each and every day. And when we pray that prayer, that's what we are acknowledging. Second thing, I think, is that he wants to free us from anxiety and fear. He doesn't want us to live under this cloud of fear or, or anxiety. He says, give us today our daily bread. Now, that, if you think about it, out of the context of the rest of the prayer, that's kind of, kind of harsh. It's kind of demanding sounding, isn't it? It's not, it's not even just please give us. It's give us. Give us today our daily bread. And, and, and that, that kind of hits you a little weird, maybe. But what he's saying is that God has given us permission In fact, God has actually encouraged us and taught us to ask, to ask of him. That we have been given this freedom that no matter what is going on in our lives, we can come to him. He wants us to come to him with every aspect of our lives. 
Not, not, not just daily bread. In fact, Paul wrote to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That, that he wants us to come to him freely, completely, and not just pray sanitized type of prayers. Not just pray about important things. Not, 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 not just come to him and pray Miss America prayers. You know, Miss America prayers. All I want is world peace. <laughs> See, if all we pray are Miss America prayers, big important prayers, we think that we shouldn't bother God with all this other little stuff, then really our prayers are not prayers at all. They're just posturing. What he invites us to do is to come to him with even the basics, the little tiny things of our lives, the things that concern you. Because what he wants is he wants you to be able to put your concerns over onto him. The things that you are struggling with, the things that are, 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 are in your way, the things that you're trying to overcome, the, the, the issues that are going on in your life, he wants you to come and talk to him about those things. He has given us that freedom to do it. And some of you might be thinking, well, then, you know, then God's going to think I'm selfish. Don't you think he already knows that? <laughs> Truthfully, he knows you better than you know yourself. And when I come with sanctimonious, sanctified, sanitized prayers, then, then I'm not talking to him about the stuff that really matters to me. And then I'm not really praying. Because remember what we said last week. Prayer is not a transaction. Prayer is about a relationship. And if, not, if I am not open and honest in the relationship, then I'm not praying. See, that was the problem of the, of the Pharisees. Their prayers were all about show. It was all about people thinking well of them. It was all about these sanctified prayers, but they weren't real. They weren't conversation with God. You say, when you pray, pray. And when it comes to asking about whatever's going on in your life, then ask. He doesn't get tired of your asking. He may not give you all that you want. My kids asked me for a lot of things growing up. A lot of those things I didn't give to them. Either I couldn't afford it, I didn't think it was good for them or might harm them. You know, I... I had all kinds of reasons for saying no, but I never told them, stop asking me for stuff. He gives us the permission to ask and then rest in that. Because what he wants to do is free us, free us from that fear and anxiety. That's what he goes on and says, verse 31. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows what? That you need them. He knows what you need. So ask. Because he wants to free you from that anxiety. And he wants to free you not only from anxiety about your needs. He wants you to free you from the fear and anxiety of punishment of sin. And so again, forgive us our debts. Because so often we live under this cloud, this fear of punishment. 
I remember very, very distinctly when I was a little kid, um, I, I, playing, because I grew up in Sunday school, okay, I grew up learning all this stuff, and I learned about Jesus, and I learned about forgiveness of sin, and I learned about the second coming of Christ, and all this kind of stuff, and as a little kid, I, I, I have, to this day, I have memories of being in, on the playground, playing kickball, out in center field, with the thought that suddenly came to me, what if Jesus came right now, and I had a sin that I hadn't asked forgiveness for? I would go to hell. But I also remember being conflicted about it because I was too afraid to close my eyes and ask for forgiveness in case the ball got kicked to me. <laughs> Scarred for life. That's how I became a pastor. No. <laughs> but, but we do that. We live under this fear of punishment, of sin. And what if at some moment something should happen? I get hit by a truck and I didn't ask forgiveness. Says, I don't want you to live under that cloud. Pray for forgiveness and know and know that that is a prayer that God answers. In fact, if you deny it, if you excuse it, if you, if, you, if you write it off, if you try to minimize it, if you try to make excuses for it. See, we can do all of those things. The one thing we cannot do is get rid of it. Only Jesus can do that. And, and, and John John writes in his, his letter, his first letter, he says, if we, if we keep minimizing it, if we keep excusing it, if we keep claiming that we don't have sin, then all we're doing is deceiving ourselves. And in fact, the truth isn't even in us. But he goes on, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is an undeniable promise. That if we will but come to him and admit, confess, ask for his forgiveness. He says he is faithful, which means he will do it. You can depend on it. And he is just. He is the judge that will judge you not guilty anymore. And he will forgive. Because it's not about doing penance. And it's not about trying to make up for it. It's about the grace and mercy of God. That he showed us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't want us to live with that anxiety and fear. Fear of not having enough and fear of punishment for our sin. So he says, when you pray, pray, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. And there's one more aspect to this. When we pray, give us and forgive us. I think what God wants us to understand is he wants us to extend what we have received from him to others. Because the prayer goes on. He says, notice this. He says, give us today our daily bread. This is not the prayer of an individual. This is a prayer of community. You see, the, the, the pronoun there is plural. It's not give me today my daily bread. It's give us today our daily bread, that there is, there's a connection is, is what we're praying, that we're understanding that, that, that God has provided for me. And as he gives to me my daily bread, it is not simply for, my, me, for me to, 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 to hoard up and to, and to amass and, and to keep for myself. 
when I pray, give us today our daily bread. What that means, what the implication of that is, is if I am praying for our daily bread and I have extra daily bread, I have more daily bread than I need, but there is somebody else who has none, then if I am praying, give us today our daily bread, the implication is that I am praying for all of us, me who has plenty and you who has none. And my responsibility is if I've got more than enough, I'm to give it to you. That makes sense? The implication, our daily bread, give us, is that now I have a responsibility to be a part of the answer to that prayer. Because if God has given to me, and I'm praying for us, but I'm holding it all in my own hands, then I'm not praying that prayer. But if I've got, and others have need, If I'm praying for our daily bread, I have a responsibility to make my more than daily bread part of our daily bread. And that's why things like this dollar club that we've started, it's it's, it's just a, a picture of it. Because for pretty much all of us in this room, one extra dollar is not gonna hurt us. For most of us in this room, just one extra dollar above and beyond my regular giving, just one extra dollar, you won't even notice it. I won't even notice it. But when we have dollars $500, $600 that we can give to one family who is in desperate need, that little $1 that we don't even notice, that little crumb of our daily bread now goes and helps supply bread for someone who has none. And that's the principle. And that's what God is saying. In fact, Jesus went on in Luke chapter 6. He said, give and it will be given to you. Give. That's where it starts. Give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you have more than your daily bread, I have more than my daily bread. Then part of the responsibility that comes with that to make it our daily bread. And that's happening in our church, and I'm so grateful for it. That's, this is our year of living generously. And, and, and the Dollar Club is a part of that. It's happening in our community groups. And it's so cool. Because it's a member of a small group, one of our community groups, and, and is in need of a place to live. In fact, I just heard about it this morning. And, and the group has kind of helped take up a collection. We've been able to help with the Dollar Club, found a place to live, and their group is going to help them move. That's how it's supposed to work. That's why you need to be in a community group, by the way. Because that's how we start to care for each other. That's how we pray our daily bread. He says, with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a name and claim it. This isn't a prosperity gospel. All he's saying is this is how it works in God's economy. When you give, God takes care of you. And in fact, the more that you give, the more he'll take care of you. And if you something become a hoarder and you shut off that stream, I can't give you a Bible and chapter and verse on this one. This comes from the KJV, the Ken Jensen version. <laughs> God shuts off his giving. Because if you're not passing that on, if you're not using what he's given to you to become our, why should he give it to you anymore? Because you're just wasting it on yourself. 
Now, that is a principle that you find over and over in Scripture. You give. Not so that you get more, so that you have more to give. That's God's economy. That I extend to others what God has given to me. And that probably becomes no more important than in this area of forgiveness. This is where forgiveness gets really, really serious. Because I don't know about you, but this is probably the most troubling words, the most troubling words in this prayer, if not all of Scripture. Because what I am taught to pray is, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I don't know about you, but that's some pretty unsettling words for me. Because I think we all have a little bit of a problem with that one. And what I'm praying when I'm praying that is, in essence, what I'm saying is, God, I want you to treat me the same way that I treat the people that hurt me. I want you to look at me the same way that I look at the people that have done me wrong. I want you to think about them in the same way that I think about the people in my life that have hurt me. I don't know if I want to pray that prayer. (laughs) And this isn't the only place Jesus brings this up. Over and over again throughout Scripture, we are told to forgive as we have been forgiven. To forgive as we have been forgiven. And we're even taught to pray, forgive as I forgive. And that's what we're saying. Lord, I want you to treat me the same way that I treat my enemies. I want you to treat me the same way that I treat the people who have done me wrong. And, 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 and here's why it's so important. Because what we're talking about, remember, this, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus, in the middle of this teaching about what the kingdom of God is like, he, this prayer is right in the middle of that. And all around it is all a description of what that looks like. And what he's saying is this is, goes utterly against conventional wisdom. Because that's not the way our world works. And it's going to seem to you like this, is, this can't possibly work. But he says, this is a new kingdom you're in now. And, and the, the, the currency, if you will, the currency of the kingdom of God is forgiveness. That's the currency. That's how you got in. Because somebody else paid a price for you. Somebody canceled that debt. And by the way, that word debt, that, that's not just what I've done wrong. It literally, it's a financial term, and it literally means something that is owed. And in this prayer, in this version of it, Luke's version, we're taught, forgive us our trespasses. Jesus in Matthew's version is saying, forgive us our debts, which means not just something that I have done wrong, but something now that I owe you. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the debt in full. Well, now, wait a minute. Didn't you, didn't you say it's paid in full and it's a, it's a, it's a promise that God will always, that he will always answer that prayer? So now you're, now you're praying, but forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Hi, wait a minute. That seems like it's putting conditions on it. Say, no, you need to understand what it is that I have done for you. See, this prayer is all about what Jesus' ministry was all about. Because he paid that debt for you and for me. And he paid it in full. Because I've been racking up debt with God all of my life. The charge card keeps swiping. But you see, what Jesus did was he took on himself everything that was due us. He took on himself the debt we owed. And when I say, well, well, God, I want you to forgive me 
um, because I know I've caused you pain, but, but I don't want to forgive them because they caused me pain. See, then, then we're back into the world's, this, this world's kingdom of doing things. And that's the way this, this world's kingdom works. See, it's all about revenge. It's all about payback. It's all about retribution. And, and we don't even have to learn that. That just comes natural to us from the moment we are born. Five-year-old Johnny is in the other room with his brand-new baby sister. And mom's in the other room, and she hears a scream. She goes, what's going on in there? Johnny says, nothing. Yeah, exactly. He said, no, 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 I heard a scream. What's going on there? I heard something. He said, the baby pulled my hair, and I just want to pound him. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Johnny, you can't pound the baby. The baby doesn't understand. baby doesn't know. baby doesn't know the pain that's inflicted. About five seconds later, she hears another scream. What's going on in there? The baby knows. Because that's the way this world works. We're hair pullers. And you pull my hair, and I pull your hair back. How hard do I pull your hair? As hard as I want. And see, that's the problem with that system. Because the pain that I experience is always greater than the pain that I inflict. See, I always believe I have been hurt more than what I'm doing to get back at them. And that just leads to escalating hair pulling. And we see that all around us in individuals, in our world. And Jesus is saying, okay, this is, this is the new kingdom here. And this isn't about retribution. It's about forgiveness. And you will never, you will never fully understand the pain that you have caused You will never fully understand what it took to forgive you until you have to turn around and forgive somebody else. Because believe me, the pain that you think you have received from that person isn't near, isn't near the way you broke God's heart. The good news is that Jesus came to take the pain. And you will never have to forgive anybody for anything greater than what Christ has forgiven you. He took the beatings. He took the punishment. He took the scorn and the spitting. He paid in full the price for your forgiveness. In a moment, we're going we're to remember that. Because we need to remember we're going to share it together in communion as we close this morning. And it's a reminder that, that Christ took our brokenness. He took that pain. And whatever pain you are feeling, whatever pain someone else has inflicted on you, it is nothing by comparison. And you have been freely forgiven. And now you can freely give. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, part of the prayer is also this. God, help me to forgive. Forgive me my debts. Help me to forgive those who are indebted to me. I think that's part of that prayer. 
Because I don't do this on my own, God. This is impossible for me. I, I can't let go of this thing. And you can probably think, if you do it for just a moment, of at least one person who comes to your mind who has hurt you and hurt you deeply. And it might be a family member. might be someone who was a close friend, co-worker. But I bet we all have one of those. And we are praying, Lord, forgive us. But at the same time, help us to forgive others. Because that's not my natural bent. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. 